Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron's Sportsbook Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. Good evening, everybody. It is Friday, August 26th, 2022. Tonight is the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Podcast. It's a special show here tonight. It's special because you're here listening to us here on this uh, lovely Friday evening. And, uh, of course, uh, a lot of great stuff to get to here tonight. Uh, first thing I want to say is uh, our great show is sponsored by Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. And, of course, uh, with uh, Labor Day coming up just around the corner, I definitely would encourage everyone to get on uh, line and order Chef G's barbecue sauce. It's great stuff. Alan and I uh, both love it. Our families love it. I mean, it's the best thing out there. So, uh, Alan, good evening. Uh, how are things going for you? Doing fantastic. Dave, for asking. Really appreciate it. Everything's going really well. You're right. Labor Day is coming up. So, football is starting up. It's always a good time. Good time of the year. Great time of the year. This is that transition time from the stretch run, the pennant chase in Major League Baseball, which is always, you know, of course, a great time of the year, to the second love, at least in my sports uh, life, with football, uh, both at the collegiate level and, of course, at the NFL level. And one thing I do want to say here tonight, today is uh, August 26th, and today is my oldest son, uh, Jacob. It is his 17th birthday, so from our sports show here tonight, we want to say happy birthday to Jacob. Uh, He's probably not listening. I know he has a lot of things going on in his uh, young life, but definitely wanted to get a shout out to him. Uh, special kid, loves sports, loves baseball, he's a big Braves fan, um, loves the Miami Dolphins too. Can't quite understand that one completely, but <laughs> we'll, um, <laughs> we'll let him be on that. He's actually going to be uh, in Miami tomorrow uh, for a game down there uh, between the uh, Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles. So hopefully uh, safe travels and en- enjoys his time down there. But Tell you what, Alan, uh, you feel old when you realize that your oldest kid is 17, and uh, I definitely feel a little older here tonight. So, um, hey, uh, happy birthday, Jacob! Definitely, definitely. He's uh, he's uh, had a, a fun last couple of years, uh, been on the baseball team. He may be going out for the golf team this year. Um, so he's got a lot of cool things uh, in his, uh, you know, upcoming schedule, and looking forward to you know, seeing what he's able to make out of uh, of those things going forward. Um, So kicking off uh, here tonight, uh, we really are excited, as I mentioned before. Uh, Football is starting. you got the high school games on Fridays. you got the college games on Saturdays. And, of course, the NFL is Thursday nights, Sundays, Sunday night, and Monday night. And tonight we're going to actually discuss a lot of stuff in the football world. But in a few moments we're going to go over our divisional picks in both the AFC and the NFC. Um, but some interesting stuff has happened. There's been some fighting, uh, you know, punches thrown, that kind of stuff around the NFL. And one of the questions that was posed, is this good for morale? Um, I want to let you start with that. You, um, you brought that subject up. So I want to hear your take on NFL fighting. Yeah, I, I think it's good to be competitive and go out there and practice hard. I definitely do agree with that. But I think you kind of cross the line when you fight with your teammates, and I think you cross the line when you fight in practice, too. The reason why I say that is because 
you risk injury. And also, you know, we had a situation where Aaron Donald, he basically swung his helmet. He did the same thing as, as Jason Garrett did, but he did it, Jason Garrett did it during a regular season game, and he did it against a quarterback, but he was out for the whole year. So Aaron Donald basically did the same offense, but he didn't hit a quarterback, and he did it in practice. I just think, you know, it is practice. You want to practice hard, but I think there's a fine line at that point. You don't want to cross that line, and I think some of these fights are crossing the line. I, I agree. I mean, I, I can understand the competitive nature just being a former athlete, uh, that drive to wanting to win. Um, <clears throat> The game is emotional. I mean, let's not be uh, misled there as well. It's, it's certainly something that is um, emotionally driven. There's a lot of frustration, especially when things aren't going right. And so I would say this, these fights that we're seeing, whether it's with a teammate or between two teams, uh, opposite players, of course, you know, one of the things that happens, and this is something that you don't hear about a lot, there's a lot more fighting that actually goes on out on the field than people realize. You get one of these uh, situations where the ball is loose and you have five, six, seven, eight guys that are diving onto a pile. It's not uncommon for someone to get poked in the eye or somebody sticks their hand inside of the helmet, pulls on somebody's ear. So the stuff that we're seeing happen now is the stuff that's a little bit more obvious. Um, whether it's good for morale, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, um, you know, if you're sticking up for your teammate, I think a lot of times that that is a morale booster. You know, somebody's got your back kind of thing. Um, from a fan's perspective, I think it is a, a negative drawback, and I think it, it kind of hurts the it hurts the fan side of things. I would say because obviously people look to athletes, unfortunately, as you know someone to look up to, and a lot of times these guys are are um, you know doing the wrong thing. Uh, not all the time, but a lot of times they are doing the wrong thing, and. And uh, I think that sometimes does lead to um, some negatives there. And sometimes people just tune it out, turn it off altogether. So um, for another perspective on this here tonight, though, we're going to bring in our good buddy uh, Lou from up there in New York, New Jersey, and get his, uh, his right. take on uh, the fighting going on around the NFL. Lou, what do you think about that? Well, what a shock. I mean, they're fighting a free season. Even teammates are trying to beat the pants of each other. Uh, I've seen it happen before. It, it, it's not uncommon at all. It's stupid. But it's you know it's something that you know you do kind of expect you know because they're all fighting you know fight for roster spots with the team so that's another thing right there so uh, I get the point behind it I'm not a fan of that but you know I I get it yeah you know that's a great point Lou I, I'm not a fan of it either it does happen especially in preseason it does happen in practices. Yeah. And it's it's let's you know let's be real it's real hot out there too you know you're agitated it's hot and I'm not saying that there isn't a just cause in fights but I feel as if it has happened too regularly now like guys are just yeah. letting their go where they're fighting almost every day we see a fight so you gotta say you gotta be able to control your emotions guys are gonna do things that are gonna be on the other team that's going to be a lot more frustrating than a lot of time your teammates because guys on the team will be talking trash to get under your skin. You have to be able to handle it. And then they start throwing jokes like, oh, your, your mama's so ugly, you know, and all that stuff. And, you know, and that's, you know, <laughs> you know go back to that stuff. Your mama's so cute. back with a refund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard all before. <laughs> the mama yeah, jokes. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, the mama jokes. But yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your mama's not always gonna crack the house crack the house of mirrors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. From one ridiculous one to another. Well they're trying well, get this, I don't suppose you heard about uh, they're coming with another new golf league, but get this. This was gonna be uh more of um Tiger Woods and uh, I think it was McElroy with a virtual golf league. I'm like, come on, really? Yeah, we were Yeah. We were gonna talk about that that you know, but since you brought it up, I, I agree. I, I just think that every time the PGA tour opens up their mouth, they seem more and more incompetent. That's the way I look at them. Okay, yes. I get it. The first time in your history you got some serious competition. But how is you you basically copying what Live Golf is doing and you think that's gonna solve your problems? No. That that's not Yeah. The stuff that, that Tiger proposed is what Live Golf is doing. Look who's the copycat <sighs> now. Too little too late, in my opinion, on that. Uh, you know, th- this they should have been out in front of this a while ago on the thing there, trying to copy the same format, the same. Uh, you're, you're taking that whole entire thing and, and trying to make it into your idea. Right. And I, I just feel like at this point, Places. the bad publicity has gotten a lot worse than it even was, uh, you know, a month ago, uh, which it was pretty bad. So, yeah. No, I agree. I, I just think that this is ridiculous. Uh, I, I think it's a little too late. I think the PGA Tour is yes, kind of backpedaling. I think they just don't know what, what to do at this point, so they're grasping at straws. They see everybody leave. At first it was because, oh, we don't want you guys is, is taking money for the Saudis. Now they pretty much dropped that, and it's just copying what Live Golf is doing. Yeah. I just think I think the PJ Tour got really exposed because of Live Golf. I I would have to give Live Golf that much credit. Yeah. They exposed the PGA really bad, and this is what happens when you have a monopoly. You don't use the competition. We talked about this earlier when Live Golf came in. Okay, you have competition. Competition is supposed to make you better. Find out a way that you could get better, not copy the competition. Because everybody said the same thing. You're doing what Live Golf is doing. So to me, I, I just think this is ridiculous. I think I think the PJ Tour really needs to find somebody else who can give them some better advice. Because I just think they're just making stuff sound more and more foolish and more and more petty as every day goes on. Yes. What are your thoughts on it, Lou? Like I said, who's the copycat now? I mean, you're trying to do something that, you know, you're trying to be original, and you're just being a clone of uh, your, your latest competitor. So, uh, you know, that's not, that's not going to help your, your league in the long run. Although I do see that they're going to try and spruce things up, too, by offering more tournaments and uh, a lot more money in the PGA next year. Okay, this is fight fire with fire time. Exactly, and that's something you should have been doing and, uh, Yeah. 20 tournaments and a gazillion dollars uh, payout. Yeah, and, and that's something you should have been doing before. You should have been doing this all well, this. Stupid. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then to say you're not going to reinstate the guys that got suspended, like those guys are not thinking about you. You're thinking about them. And right. Yeah, that's just okay. You're not going to reinstate the guys. I, I, none of those guys, I think, want to come back to the tour after what you guys did to them. And no. a lot of your great players have left to play live golf. I mean, you should have done something a lot sooner instead of being petty. What are your thoughts on it, Aaron? Yeah, I think it's, this is just, you know, the reactions are way, way past when they should have been. This is something that they should have had uh, taken care of a long time ago. And here's what I'd say it boils down to. You're the only game in town up until recently. And yeah. when you get too comfortable and someone comes in with a new idea, you don't know how to react. So this is uh, very, very poor planning um, or uh, counter planning, I guess, on the PGA Tour's behalf. Um, and it's also uh, bad PR. I mean, honestly, they should clean house on their their, their PR team there. Uh, they need to start all over from scratch and, and get something fresh and get some fresh ideas. If anything, I think what this will do eventually, it won't happen right away, but eventually I think what this will do for the PGA is they'll get some people in there with some fresh ideas and they'll start, you know, making some changes. I, I really think that the PGA Tour is probably long overdue for that. Um, yeah. Not a, lot's really, not a lot's really changed in that regard, probably in the last, I don't know, 30 or 40 years. So, um, you know, I think that I think a lot of this goes also to the fact that I think that they've taken for granted some of the bigger up and coming stars, and a lot of those are guys that did go, you know, over to play, uh, you know, with Liv. We can debate here whether that's a good thing to have or not. We can debate all the politics of it, the um, the different aspects of that. None of that really means anything at this point because it's happened. So I would say that really I, I blame the PGA Tour for not having an alternative. To say, hey, you know yeah. what, we, we, I'd rather stay here because there, there's, there's an advantage to being here. And there probably is, but the thing is, is the PGA didn't present that. They, they got defensive, kind of like Alan talked about in some of our shows back in probably late June, early July. They got defensive about right. it. They got kind of like a five-year-old kid on the playground um, mentality about it. And that has led to all the back and forth between – some pretty big names. I mean, Tiger Woods and Greg Norman and some of the guys who did go over to play live. Um, it's really created. I, I hate to say this. This is almost like uh, WWE meets uh, uh, Jerry Springer in a lot of ways. Just a lot of people. Well, they're kind of a lady anyway, so it's not yeah. far fetched. So. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was yeah. the ringmaster. So, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, it really has gone out of hand. There, there's no, there's no question about it. I mean, it's worse than it was. I mean, it could be worse. I could do a show myself. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really embarrassing for the PGA Tour, and I, you know, as I said last our last show, I disagree with Tiger. Like, okay, the guys left, they're gone. That was their decision. They're not in the same position as you, Tiger. I mean, like, with all due respect, they're not in the same position. You could turn down a billion dollars and it's okay. Guys will live golf. They can't turn down a million dollars or seven hundred or eight hundred million dollars, and they won't, and they shouldn't have to, because they just don't have that financial. They don't have that financial build, you know, backing that a Tiger Woods that you know, fifteen major championships, eighty-two 
tour wins. They just don't have that. They just don't have that. PGA Tour, if you don't finish in the top 30, you don't leave with a check. That's the reality of the situation. You know, you got to look at it from a player standpoint. If you're not one of the, if you're not one of the top dogs, you are basically you're not. It's costing you money because to do these tournaments, it's not free for you. It's not free. There's interest fees if, unless you know you're the big dog. It's kind of like you're in sales. If you're not one of the top gunners, then you have a, a hard life. That's just the reality of the situation. No, very true. That's 100% true. Right. And only the top 30 make it to the tour championship. Yeah. And even if you're a very good golfer, the reality is you have to play great for four – you have to play exceptional for four days. You could have a a day that you do all right out of the four, but the other three days Uh got to be great great days because if you don't, you're going to get cut. And, you know – you're not gonna you're not gonna make it to the last day, and even if you don't get cut, you still got to stay within the top thirty to really get a nice check. And the guy who's yeah. like thirty, the guy who's thirty, what he's what he's living with ten fifteen grand, which is not bad, but I'll take it. I'll take it too, but if you're <laughs> if you're a guy on tour, you can't be looking at making being a you know, number 30 on the, on the winning list. No. Of course not. So I, I can understand why some of these guys, especially the younger guys, and even some of the older guys, why they would take a guaranteed paycheck. I can definitely understand where they come from. Phil Dickinson, $200 million. How many tour tournaments would he have to win to get $200 million on a PGA Tour? A lot. Oh, a lot. I can't even count. Lot of championships, and not winning, not being in the top five. He's got to be one, two, or three at the latest. I think three, but no, yeah. nothing lower. Nothing lower than three, and he had to win a lot of no. championships. He had to win a lot of a lot of a lot. And I, I give yeah. Tiger credit. He made he made his money with putting it on the field in the dirt. He has. But that doesn't work for everybody. It just doesn't. No. So, yeah, Lou, what do you got cooking on your show this weekend? Well, okay, well, we're going to discuss the 2023 Major League Baseball schedule that was just released. And there's some interesting surprises about that, so I want to bring that up. Uh, the last week of NFL preseason, uh, the first week of the college football season, even though you guys call it week zero, what reason I have no idea. Uh, we'll also touch on the Little League World Series for the kids at heart, of course. Yeah, we'll talk about this ridiculousness between the PGA and the LAV or the uh, whatever you want to call it these days. Let's go. Yeah. And um, for those of special interest, uh, some talk of the WNBA. And um, special tribute to one of the great players who passed away a few days ago. You guessed it, Len Dawson. Wow. Yeah, Wayne yeah. Dawson of the Kansas City Chiefs, another yeah, Super Bowl winning quarterback. August, yep. August has been a brutal month in the sports world. Let me tell you that right now. It has been a brutal month. Yes, yes, indeed. So definitely sound like you have a great and show. Of course, our month, of course, our monthly feature, the best and worst of the month. 
Gotta have that in. Everybody's gotta have that in. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite exactly sparing the world, but good enough. That's awesome. Yes, and prayers can and condolences go to Dawson. Uh definitely that's a that's a big loss there. Yeah. I remember mostly though, well I'm not, you know, that old despite the telling you might think. Um, you know, I was I was only I was very, very young to see him playing his last years in the NFL. But I remember doing um inside the NFL for HBO. Wow. So yeah, you've been around a block. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you're not that old, but you're not that young either. Where do you get to be there? Yeah, I mean believe me you, I know the feeling too. Uh, yeah, so we'll have all that. We'll have all that and more tomorrow on the Enhanced Sports Show, five to seven p.m. New York time. Okay, East Coast time. You get the point. Number is five one two five four three four six six two. Number again five one two five four three four six six two. I right, welcome all callers. But beginning with tomorrow's show, uh, I had to put in a five minute rule so that I can get you know and through the rest of the football season so because we get all our college predictions and uh, NFL um, predictions in. So if you got a comment, I welcome it, but uh, we got to keep it to a minimum. Yeah, so have your thoughts ready. And call in at 512-543-4662. The Enhanced Sports Show, team 5 and 7, Eastern Standard Time Zone. Make sure you support our great friend, Lou, and call in and keep it brief, like he said. Right, so we get all our football picks in. Yep. So there you go. All right. And it will be a football season. I hope you guys get a chance to call in. Sounds good. We're looking forward to right. a great, great season. That depends on if our team wins. <laughs> <laughs> that depends. Just, just just wanted to throw this out there. I did not pick the Jets to go to the Super Bowl this year. So sorry. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> I didn't think so. All right, gentlemen. Until we talk again. All right, you Lou, got it, Lou. Great night. Thanks for thanks for uh, joining us here tonight. Really appreciate it, Lou. That's awesome. That's our great buddy, Lou. That's a Hall of Famer right there. Yep. Always at the top of the program. Always has something good and uh, comical also to say. So we certainly <laughs> appreciate him uh, uh, giving us uh, a few moments here of his time this evening. Why don't we go right into it, Alan? Um, you know, looking at the, the the divisions, I think it's fairly straightforward. I think there's usually a couple surprises. Like last year, I'd say that the Cardinals were, at least for the first half of the season, a, a big surprise. They were the last unbeaten team uh, in the NFL. I think they were 8-0 when they finally got beat uh, by Green Bay. Um, but, uh, you know, the Rams, they kind of came out of nowhere at the end. It was really a, a, a divisional race in the NFC West between – Arizona and San Francisco and you know the Rams kind of snuck in there and ended up winning it and of course won the Super Bowl so um, you know prizes that might you know poke out this year obviously the Bengals were were certainly not uh, anybody's pick last year either so um, two teams that really nobody thought was going to be where they were ended up in the Super Bowl Uh, why don't we go division by division Uh, I have a list that I made here um why don't we start in the AFC East and I'll just go right down the list of who I think or how that division I think will, will shake out. So I think the Bills are 
clearly the the best put together team right now in that division. I think that they've uh, got the right pieces in place to make a Super Bowl run. Um, I think the Jets are definitely at the bottom. Unfortunately, they're still getting better. I think they're going to be a, a, a better team this year. I think they'll win uh, maybe six or seven games. Um, so they're not going to be nearly as bad as they have been the last couple of seasons. I think they've got the right formula. It's just the experience they don't have there uh, just yet. But I think that the number two spot in that division is going to come down between Miami and New England. I think Miami has just a little bit more uh, talent right now, quite frankly. Um, we'll see how the coaching shakes out with a new head coach coming in, a uh, younger coach, a little bit of a different philosophy as far as how he uh, coaches. He's more of an offensive coach as opposed to previous regime, which is more defensive oriented. Patriots, I think, have a good team. I just think that they um, may take a slight step back. And Miami, of course, gets you know uh, Tyree Kill in there, um, which I think is going to be a big game changer for Miami. So I want to hear your thoughts on the uh, AFC East. No, I pretty much, uh, you know, that was great take on your part. I pretty much agree with a lot of what you said. I, I think it could be between the Patriots and the Dolphins who get second place in that division. I, I feel as if the biggest thing that's going to happen with the Dolphins is they got a new coach, and that that's the thing. They have Tyreek Hill back there, which is great, but I wonder to see how he's going to kind of adjust be that they're not going to be Kansas City where you're at the top of the heat. So it's going to be big to see how Tua and Tyreek hang, hang in there. And with there their being a new coach, that's a different dynamic. I think the Patriots are a step ahead of them. They definitely have a, a better coach, you know, Vilicek. I think Matt Jones is getting better. So I would have to say the team that I would, if I was a betting man, I'd have to say the Patriots would have my bet. There's just a little too many question marks with, with Miami at this point. Yeah, I think it's a toss-up between those two. I think that you're looking at probably nine, between nine and 11 wins for either the Dolphins or the Patriots or, or both. But I think it's a toss-up. And it may very well come down to how they play head-to-head against each other. You know, two matchups a year, one in Miami, one up in uh, New England. So it may just simply come down to how, how, how well they play against each other. And, you know, potentially being a playoff team, a wild card team, um, you know, at this point. So um, looking at the AFC West, I think that's a, another one that's fairly easy to call. Um, I like the Chiefs a lot. I know they're going to miss a little bit of what Tyreek Hill brought to the table, but, you know, they, they didn't win last year with them. So sometimes when you make a change, even though you may lose a big player like him, you find other ways to, you know, create – um, playmakers. You find other players, and I think that you, you look at Patrick Mahomes, he's one of those guys who makes players around him typically better. So I think that Kansas City is clearly the front runner there in the AFC West. I like the Chargers, though, as the number two team in that division. I love Justin Herbert, the quarterback. I think I think this is a guy who's going to be uh, MVP of the league candidate here within a couple of years. If they can get a couple more pieces uh, out there in L.A. for him to, to throw to, um, establish a really solid running game. I, I tell you what, man, I think they're going to be really in great shape. And I, I really, really look at Justin Herbert. He's kind of a throwback quarterback. He kind of reminds me a little bit like a Dan Marino, uh, Peyton Manning gunslinger type of quarterback. So um, then you got the Broncos. Uh, as much as I'd like to say the Broncos are going to be more competitive this year with Russell Wilson coming in, and I don't feel like they have the rest of their pieces in place. So it's kind of a one-dimensional offense. 
Um, so I think they're going to end up in third. And the Raiders, as much as they've improved, they've you know they've they've uh, gone with uh, uh, McDaniel's uh, as the new head coach. You've got the, the quarterback in place. Um, you went out and got um, you know Devontae Adams from Green Bay. I just feel like they are going to take a step backwards. I think there's going to be some growing pains in the early first year or so of this new regime that they have there and everything kind of meshing together. It's going to be kind of ugly, I think, uh, right off the bat. So um, tell me your take on the uh, AFC West. That one I do have a little bit different uh, or look at it. I think the Chiefs are going to be still the front runner, but I do believe the Las Vegas Raiders will be the number two team. And the reason why I feel that way is because they do have Devontae Adams. They are a team that is making strides in the right direction. They have, you know, McDaniels back there. I like what I'm seeing for the Raiders. And not only that, they still have a stud of a running back. I felt like they looked really good in the preseason. So I do think the Raiders are one of those teams, too, that it's not a shoe in that Kansas City, they play Kansas City pretty well. It's not a shoe in that they're going to beat, that's a Kansas City, that is, beat the Raiders, especially being that you don't have Tyreek Hill. The team is going to look a little different. I still think Kansas City is going to be very good, and they are still the team to beat in that division. But I think the Raiders are going to surprise a lot of people. I think they're going to be the number two team. And I think Denver Broncos and the Chargers are going to be kind of vying for who's going to get take the third spot. But I think, I think the Raiders are going to shock a lot of people. I like what they see. I see from them. I think they'll be the number two team in that, that division. Good take there. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, I think they have all the right pieces there, certainly in Las Vegas. I just wonder how it's going to shake out as far as the um, the chemistry early on. That sometimes is uh, is a big part of it. And one thing I'll throw out there, too, you know, you got Josh McDaniels who kind of held out for the right job. He's had opportunities before. I mean, he almost went to uh, Indianapolis a couple years ago uh, when um, – they still had their core of, of offensive players together. They had Andrew Luck still there, and he, he turned that down, uh, decided to stay in New England. I think a lot of what he stayed in New England for was thinking that there was a possibility that Bill Belichick may retire and he might be the heir apparent at that point, and that never did uh, quite play out. Um, my hope for him, going back to 2009 when he was uh, the head coach there with the Broncos, is he learned his lesson – of a lot of the mistakes that he made that cost him his job very early on. He only coached there for like a year and a half before they uh, moved on from him. And I think a lot of it was he came in wanting to run the show a certain way and traded away some really good talent and kind of went the wrong direction. So for, um, for his sake this time around and for, I guess, the Raiders' sake at this point, you know, hopefully he did, uh, you know, do some growing up there. So, uh, AFC North is going to be an interesting division for a lot of reasons. You've got uh, some storylines uh, from each team. Um, you know, Ben, Bro- uh, ben Roethlisberger is retired now, so after 18 years in the league. Um, the Steelers, who are normally one of the most, you know, dependable teams, um, I think this is kind of a, a reset for them. Um, you know, the Bengals obviously kind of came out of nowhere and ended up in the Super Bowl. We obviously know the storyline around the Browns for the last six months has been, you know, the, uh, the Sean Watson um, saga. And of course, that's already been settled. Uh, he'll miss 11 games uh, this coming season. And, you know, when he comes back, who knows? If the Browns are in 
you know, the thick of things. They may play him. If not, they may sit him the rest of the year so he doesn't risk any sort of injury. But I, I have um, I have Cincinnati winning the, uh, the AFC North. I like the Ravens as well. They've got a, a really balanced team. Um, you know, they're – the big distraction, I think, is going to be over the next couple of days is uh, are they going to be able to get their quarterback signed to a long-term extension? And if not, that's going to hang over their heads all season long. And it's going to be an issue I think they're going to deal with. I think the Browns, as much as I think that they're going to be distracted by what's taking place off the field, I've got them in third place. And I think the Steelers, just with a young team, a new quarterback, and a lot of um, – changes they've had to make there i think they're going to end up at the bottom of the afc north uh, give us your take here alan yeah i would agree with a lot of the takes on the afc north I, I definitely do think the cincinnati Bengals are the better team in that division they're a the more rounded team they're not kind of one-dimensional they can beat you with the run they can beat you with the pass i like the fact that they went to the super bowl they got a lot of they got playoff experience and now they're even hungrier so i like the Bengals. I think the Ravens are going to do really well. They'll be the number two team in that division, as you mentioned. I just like um, – I would like for them to get that contract situation so it's not a distraction, but I still think Lamar Jackson is going to ball out. I still think he's going to have a great season. So he'll be number two in that division. I have the Browns finishing third like you do and the Steelers being pretty much in a re- rebuilding year. I think they'll win some games. I definitely think – They'll surprise some people, but I don't see them being – I think the best they can hope for the Steelers is either getting third place in that division. I, I don't see them finishing higher than third. But I, I do have them – I actually would put the Steelers third and put the Browns last. I think they're kind of interchangeable. I think that you're looking at probably yeah. a, a seven or eight win season from either of those teams. Maybe nine if they get lucky, but I, I don't see that being – really the case there so that's a pretty good take there we're pretty much similar on on that division as well AFC South is one that I think is a tale of of two teams that are fairly good that are fairly competitive versus two teams that are kind of you know in that rebuild mode so you got the uh the Titans that's who I'm actually picking to win this division and I think it's going to be a very very close race between them and what the Colts have you know you've got uh Matt Ryan after 15 years in Atlanta, he's now moved on to Indianapolis. I think he's going to be a very big piece of, um, you know, of what the Colts are able to do. But the Titans are coming off a really solid year. They've got one of the best running backs in the league. An offense that can do a lot of good things and certainly a defense that's uh, pretty well shaped up. So I think it's going to be – I think you're looking at a, a 11, maybe 12-win Titan team and a 10, maybe 11-win Colts team. Um I think Jacksonville's going to be a little bit better this year. What did they win three or four games last season? Um, yeah. Despite all the chaos with Urban Meyer and all the drama that went with all that, um, I think now you've you brought in you brought in a guy who's proven to be a winner um, in Doug Peterson. You know he won a Super Bowl as a head coach there, you know in Philadelphia. Something that Andy Reid didn't do, Dick Vermeil didn't do. Um, you know, so obviously you, you've you've brought in somebody who knows how to put it together. They're not there yet. They're a young team. But they've got all the right pieces. And I think that the, the Jacksonville Jaguars in about two, maybe three years at the most, are going to be more near the top of that division, but not this year. And then, of course, the Texans right now, I mean, yes, they're probably glad to be rid of Deshaun Watson, but 
they don't have a whole lot of, of uh, firepower, in my opinion, to be able to to be a competitor right now. They're, you're looking at a team in, in Houston, I think it's going to be probably a top three or four pick in the draft next year. So um, give us your take on the AFC South. I think the Texans are going to be a lot better. I like – I watched their preseason game. I think they did really well. Lovey Smith is now the, the coach there. So I think – It'll be between the Titans and the Texans to win that division. I think I like what I've seen for the Texans. I still would say the Titans are a leg above. So I got the Titans, the Texans actually finishing first and second. Titans be number one, Texans number two. But I do have the Colts coming up to number three. And I have the, the Jaguars finishing last place. Yeah, that'll be a really good division. Those are always good interdivisional playoff, interdivisional rather regular season games head to head there. So, so that's the AFC. Um, we're gonna move over to the NFC now, and I think this is a good way to start as the NFC East. This has been a division that has been very, very uh, leaves a lot to be desired the last couple of years. You know, nine wins, maybe ten wins, usually wins that division. So it's not. That it's not competitive. It's just not that it's uh, the highest quality uh, football being played. It's probably the least quality division of football um, as far as competitiveness in in the NFL. I have the Cowboys um, winning it this year. I think that they've got all the pieces in place to make a run. Uh, I like where the Eagles are as the second place team. Uh, Commanders, you know, they finally have their identity. Uh, you know, they were the Redskins for the longest time up until a couple years ago. They went by the Washington football team. I think that probably played a little bit of a role. You don't know who you are. You're just a team. You're a city. Now you're the commanders. You've got a, a uniform. You've got um, the historic uh, Washington football colors. You have a head coach, obviously, that knows how to put together a winning team. I, I like where they're at, but I think they're still a year away. So now you have the commanders. I think that's a really cool name, too, by the way. Um, I think they're going to be uh, probably a better team in the second half, but not quite good enough to get there. And then the Giants, you know, they're still searching for – whatever they are. I'm not sure where the Giants are at this point. They've gone through some coaches here the last couple of years. You know, this is a, a, another kind of start over for them. So we'll see where things are in New York. I got a feeling they're going to be at the end of, uh, of the NFC East though. Yeah, I agree. I think that I think got the Giants finishing last and I got the commanders right above them third, but I, I'm going to go with the Eagles. I, I just think, I just think that the Eagles are going to pull out the division as a shocker. Reason being because Dallas Cowboys, a lot of their wide receivers are not going to come back this year. I think if they stabilize the wide receiver position and they were very relatively the same as last year, they would pretty much win this division, hands down. But I just think because they have a new wide receiver core, I'm going to give the Philadelphia Eagles an edge of this. I, I like what Jalen Hurd is doing. So I'm going to say the Eagles pull out to the division and Cowboys come out second. Yeah, I think that's a very interchangeable uh, one-two there as well. I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, similarities in those teams, and they're both very, very competitive. I think they're, they're both clearly uh, well ahead of both the Commanders and the Giants at this point as well. So now moving to the NFC West, that's the division we kind of talked about right at the beginning that uh, – was very competitive last year. Cardinals, as I mentioned, the first half of the year, first eight, nine games, 
Uh, they were the best record in the NFL. And then they hit a brick wall, and between them and the 49ers, they battled it out, and the, the Rams kind of snuck in stealth mode and, and ended up uh, winning the division and then stealth mode into the Super Bowl. Uh, they really kind of came out of nowhere in a lot of people's minds and really surprised uh, the NFL world uh, the way they were able to play, especially they got hot at the right time kind of a thing. So I've got the Rams winning that division again. I really feel like um, they're probably the most complete team in the NFC West. I think they've, you know, they've got the, they've got the quarterback in place for the time being over the next several years. Um, so that's a, a solid thing there. Um, great defense. They have one of the best defensive players in the NFL um, in Aaron Donald. I think that's a huge piece there to build around Cardinals. I, I like them. I think that, you know, obviously, was it smoke and mirrors the first half of last year? A little bit. I mean, sometimes you just get lucky. Sometimes you play really hot, and then you get a little bit. I think they got a little bit of a humble pie uh, in the second half of last season, and that really, you know, maybe they learned from it. Who knows? Um, the 49ers, I, I like the direction they're heading in. They've got a young quarterback in Trey Lance that will eventually take over there. Um, I'm not certain if he's starting in week one or not. I haven't heard definitively on that. But, you know, you still have Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. on the – on the roster. So it's kind of a, is something going to happen with him in the next uh, 10 days before the, the season actually kicks off or next two weeks before the season kicks off. We'll have to wait and see. And clearly the Seahawks are in complete rebuild mode. I would expect this to be uh, Pete Carroll's final year. Um, I don't think he's going to get fired, but I think he'll retire after this season. And I think that uh, they'll go in a different direction. Uh, they'll, they'll be one of the other teams. I think that'll be at the very top of the draft probably looking towards a quarterback uh, this time of year from now. Yeah, that's some great takes. I I definitely have the Rams winning this division. I think they're clear. They're now even more of a stranglehold of that division because I had the Rams finishing first. The 49ers, I felt as if they were a team that was very close to winning it all. And I, I really don't say that now with them changing the quarterback for Garoppolo. Yes, mm-hmm. Garoppolo is not Tom Brady. He's not a playmaker per se, but he doesn't kill games either. He's a he's a very good, I would say, B-level quarterback in the NFL. He knows how to win. He didn't win the Super Bowl really because they did poor clock management. If you're not relying on him to win the game solely, I think you're in very good shape. Having said that, I think them putting Trey Lance in set them back a year or two because of that move. It's not that Trey Lance is not a gifted player, but I think you need to – it takes tough – it's kind of hard for you to put in a guy who's really mobile, who has those type of gifts, and for the team to be gelled in together in the first year. I, I just think it's going to take a couple of years for people to get acclimated with Trey Lance. So this was a step in, in the kind of the bad direction. Not that he's not great. I just think it just messes up the timing. So I th- I don't think the Rams I don't think I'm sorry the 49ers are going to be as potent as they were last year or the year before. So I have the Rams clearly winning division. I have either the Cardinals or the 49ers coming in second, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals actually did come in second because of the quarterback move, put in the San Francisco third and the Seahawks fourth. I, I just think. I, I think Trey Lance is a great player, but I think they put him in there a little too soon. 
Yeah, I think the thing that's different about this as opposed to, you know, let's say a team that's kind of up and coming, um, you're, you're going from a team that has been very competitive in the last several years. I mean, look, 49ers were close to being in the Super Bowl, you know, this past season, and they were there just a few years ago. So you're, you're, you're now trading out the quarterback who got you to those positions while still being a competitor here in 2022 with a different quarterback, um, albeit at this point a, a second-year guy. So I think there's a lot of difference there as opposed to if this had been, you know, let's say um, – you know, the Eagles a couple of years ago when Jalen Hurts came in and took over, um, you know, after years of having different quarterbacks there, the expectation is a lot different in San Francisco right now than it was a couple of years ago with the Eagles. The Eagles were kind of as a team getting better when the 49ers are already, I don't want to say they're there, but they're at a much better position than the Eagles were a few years ago when Hurts came in. So I think that's going to be, I think that is going to be a detriment to them. Now, I think it'll pay off as long as he's a good player. I think it'll, it'll pay off for them a couple of years down the line. The only thing I would say, though, is John Lynch, who is uh, you know, the GM there in San Francisco, he's really, putting, he's really putting his job and the jobs of the head coaching staff and everything on the line because if this gamble doesn't pay off, every single one of those guys is going to be looking for a job. So it's going to be one of those things over the next two or three years. If the 49ers are a mediocre team and don't make the playoffs several times in a row, There'll be a call for their head going forward. Yeah, it is a real gamble, and and I think um, I think you needed to start Garoppolo and see how he did at least for the first half of the season before you went to Trey Lance. I think it's a real risky move, and I think he's going to get there, Trey Lance. But I don't I don't think it's going to happen in this, in this first year. That's what I feel. I watched some of the game, and I just I just don't see it. So. I just feel as if the 49 is going to take probably a step back to the Rams. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I I feel like the, you know, if somehow they play really well and the Cardinals struggle a little bit, it, it's very possible that the, the second place team that I have in the division, the Cardinals and the third place team, the 49ers could switch up a little bit, but I, I really feel like where it's at is, is where things are going to be going forward. Just because even though I think that there are some issues that you pointed out here a few weeks back, with uh, with Kyler Murray, um, with the Cardinals, I feel even if he's playing just barely above mediocre, I think they're going to still be a better team than San Francisco is overall. So uh, NFC North, this is uh, probably the one division that I think is is the most dominated in the NFL over any other division. The last three years in a row, Green Bay has won 13 games. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, Matt LaFleur, who is now going into his fourth year, He's the only coach in NFL history to win 13 or more games in each of his first three seasons. He's also won more games in his first three seasons than any Packers coach in NFL history, or in uh, Packers history, rather. That's a pretty impressive uh, thing to say, considering Green Bay has had, of course, Vince Lombardi, uh, Mike Holmgren, uh, even Mike McCarthy, who won a Super Bowl there uh, as uh, his predecessor, of course. Um, I've got Green Bay winning this division. I think they're going to win 12, 13, 14 games this year. Minnesota's a better team than they were in the past, but I don't think they have the, the muscle or firepower to be able to pull off a division win. The Bears are still trying to figure some stuff out, and, of course, the Lions are the Lions. We don't even really need to go into what they are at this point. So tell me if I'm wrong on any of this, or do you have a, a different order for the, um, the NFC North? No, I do. I have, I have the Green Bay Packers, and I have the Vikings finishing second. 
Bears right there, third, and the Lions, as you mentioned, last. But I just think Green Bay is going to just be too strong. They're, they're very good defensively and offensively. I, I don't see them not winning the division. And I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to create some noise too, but I just think the Packers are going to outlast them. And I think the, the Bears are, are a very good team, but I just – I don't see them having more wins than the Vikings. Yeah, I think the Bears are still trying to – they're kind of where – this is a team that I think is, is a good comparison to what we talked about with the 49ers before with Trey Lance. So I kind of begin to reiterate, the 49ers are in a better position just because of where they've been in the playoffs the last you know three or four years, two or three years, whatever it's been. Um, the Bears are a team that has been kind of going through a, a little bit of a rebuild and may have a quarterback they drafted a year or so ago that's kind of – going and growing with this team uh, getting better. So I think that it's possible the Bears and the Vikings could interchange, but I, I feel like the Vikings, because they have a little bit more veteran leadership on their team and a little bit more experience, I feel like they're going to finish uh, number two in the division. And, of course, you know, I have some Lions friends. I have some friends and family from Michigan. Hate to say it, uh, Lions fans, this is going to be another fourth-place finish there, uh, looking for possibly – you know, top two or three pick in the draft uh, next uh, <laughs> next season. So, um, tough tough thing. I mean, they, they've been kind of rebuilding for the last I don't know thirty years or so there in um, in Detroit, and you know, hopefully they get there at some point. But it's been kind of a tough go uh, about things the last uh, several years. They just really have made some some good picks, but guys that haven't been able to help get that team over the hump. And unfortunately, it's just the the seller year in and year out there for Detroit. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't, I don't have anything positive to say other than you move it up to getting a draft pick if you're the Lions. I really don't. That's exactly what I see happening there. So uh, now I know this is probably your favorite division, given that you are a Buccaneers fan. Uh, uh, NFC South. Um, not really surprised. I think this is uh, maybe the last year for a couple years that the Bucks are going to be picked to be the top team. This is Brady's last year coming up. Uh, you've changed philosophies head coaching-wise with Todd Bowles, who's a defensive head coach. I like that direction that the Bucks are going in because historically the Bucks are a great defensive team. Um, you're bringing in a guy who knows the defensive side of the football very well. Um, I think they're going to start building on that side. I never bet against Tom Brady uh, simply because he's Tom Brady, and typically when you do bet against him, he proves you wrong. Um, I don't see that being any different this year. In again, his last season in the league, I think the Bucks will win um, probably 11, maybe a 12-win season there from Tampa. Um, the rest of the division is kind of a shakeup, though, because you've got some changes uh, around the rest of the division. You've got a new head coach after 15 years. Uh, you've got the Saints making a change. You know, can Jameis Winston stay healthy? Um, and if he does stay healthy, can they put everything together? to make a playoff run. I think the Saints are the second best team in that division. The Panthers have about 15 quarterbacks on their roster at this point. And, you know, I think they're going to go, of course, with, uh, with Baker Mayfield, but I mean, it's questionable what's going to happen there. Um, I wonder if Matt rule is going to be their head coach after this year. I've got them finishing in third. And then the Atlanta Falcons, who I think are going to be a really good team in about two or three years. They've got a lot of good pieces that are very young. I have them finishing at the very bottom of the uh, NFC South, but I, I'm going to look at them as a team in about two or three years again that's going to be 
Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl potential there in the uh, NFC South. What are your thoughts on that division? Yeah, I definitely do think I agree with you. I think the Bucks are going to have a very solid year. I think a minimum 12 game season uh, wins. I think the Bucks will win the division. I, I like you. I don't bet against Tom Brady. I think this is going to be his final year, and he wants to go out with a bang. So I, I have the Bucks winning the division. I, I do think the Saints were right with the Bucks, but I think because of the the changes that they've made in the Saints, I, I put them kind of a step behind. I, I would have to say I think the Panthers are actually going to be the surprise team in that division. I got them finishing second and the Saints finishing third. And the Falcons still having a very good team, but I just don't see them getting a whole lot of wins. So I have the Falcons finishing last in that division. Yeah, I can see the Falcons and the Panthers kind of being interchangeable and maybe even the same thing with the Panthers and the Saints. Um, a lot of those things are going to be dependent on health. With the Falcons, it's going to be a lot dependent on growth and you know how well these guys uh, progress as the season goes along. And then you know, the Panthers, they're the one that really um, is, me, the, the, the biggest, I don't want to say question mark, the, the biggest uh, mystery team. Because, again, you look at what they've done the last two years. I'm talking about back until the draft time of last year. You went out and traded for a quarterback. Uh, you got, uh, who was the guy from the, the Jets? He was a former first-round pick. So you went out and got him. That wasn't good enough for you. So you went out and got Baker Mayfield. Then you drafted Matt Corral and, in the second or third round of this year's draft, you know, so it's you're, you're collecting quarterbacks, which is good. It's never a bad thing to have somebody of quality to, to run your offense, but where is the rest of it come in? And I think that's a big question for the Panthers. But yeah, you're right. I could see them being a, a surprise team. And they were actually, I think, three or four no when this past season started and they just completely fell apart. So um, it'll be an interesting year there for. Uh, the Panthers, I think they're one of the teams that, you know, head coaching change may happen after this year. There's a few other places that will probably happen too, like Seattle. Um, you know, look at, uh, you know, I, I throw this out there just because I think that it's something that could very well happen. I look at, uh, you know, the possibility of maybe a change happening in Pittsburgh uh, for Mike Tomlin. You know, he's you know, been there for 15 years. So those are some of the things that I think are going to be kind of storylines come up. Uh, throughout the year. And I'm going to throw this one out there too as maybe another big surprise. I think if the Patriots have a really, really bad year, Bill Belichick's getting up there. He's been coaching there for over 20 years. He may start to think about retirement after this year. So, Wow. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing for him. He's getting up there. It's not easy coaching. He's getting a, a bit older. So if his team has a a pretty decent year, I, I think it's something that you could consider. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be there forever, and I think we're, we're, we're down to the at least at this point. He's in the last five years of his head coaching career. Great career, obviously. Uh, we'll see how things shake out this season. Um, but you got to think about it, too. How much has the NFL changed philosophically um, on how things are run, uh, offense and defense and special teams? In the 20-plus years, he's just been in New England, so I think that um, in some cases, you get to the point where the philosophy that was popular when you were in your heyday, that's kind of come and gone. And I think that may be kind of playing out here for um, where the Patriots are currently. So 
The last thing I wanted to do, I'm not going to pick a, a Super Bowl champion uh, just yet, but I'm going to give my final two teams in each conference. So I think the number one and number two teams in the, uh, in the AFC are the Buffalo Bills. I think they have a really solid team. Honestly, had that game uh, in the playoffs this past year um, been just a little bit longer, I think the Bills actually win against Kansas City. Um, Kansas City's number two. I think they're, they're basically interchangeable. Um, and then the NFC, uh, Green Bay, I think they're going to be right back there again. And I think the Rams, uh, you know, they've got a team that has uh, really gelled around uh, their quarterback and, of course, around uh, Aaron Donald and their defense. So I think it's going to be um, Buffalo and Kansas City and then uh, Green Bay and Los Angeles as the final four teams, uh, best two in each conference. I do have a little bit different, and I just think you can't cut out Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady's going to find a way. It'll be between the Bucks and the Rams, who wins the NFC. And I think in the AFC, I do think the Bills going to be a tough competitor. And I got the Bills, and the other team that I have is going to be the Chiefs. I think those two teams are still going to be the teams to beat those two in each division conference. Well, you got three out of four of them, right? So you're, you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, the thing about the green Bay is that Aaron Rodgers, he is one of the best regular season quarterbacks, but I just think when it comes down to crunch time, it's been shown that he doesn't show up and play like an MVP. And I think until he does, it's, it's hard for him to get it, get over that hump. Well, we'll see how things shake out over the next uh, four, four and a half months. Obviously, we've got a 17-game schedule that will uh, determine uh, what happens, of course, this year. And there's going to be some surprises, too. There may be, um, yeah, There may be some things that happen during the course of this year that – None of us saw coming. We had a few things like that happen last year. So, um, oh yeah. But uh, no, good, good, uh, good picks all around. Definitely, uh, definitely good to see uh, a lot of similarities in some of our picks. And then there are some things we were completely the opposite on. But we'll see how things uh, shake out, and we'll come back to this here in, I guess, uh, late, uh, late January, uh, early February with uh, our our playoff picks, and of course our regular season picks. We'll know that right at the end of the uh, regular calendar year. So. Um, good stuff, though. Um, yep. Great, good stuff for sure. And, and like I mentioned at the top of the show, I've been ready for football for a long time, and I'm definitely happy that uh, we're getting it all started now. So moving on, uh, as our show does tonight, uh, you had posed a question here to me um, earlier in the day. How many home runs will Yankees slugger Aaron Judge end up with at the end of the season? And where is he at right now? What is his current tally? 48. 48, 48. Okay. So let's see, 48 home runs. I'm going to do some quick math here for you to tell you where I think the numbers will be at the end of the season. So they've played 77 and 48. That's their record currently for the Yankees. They've slowed down quite a bit, but um, let's see here. So they've played 77% of their season. So I'm going to say that Aaron Judge at this point, I think he's going to be around, 
I think a lot of teams are going to face him this year, or the rest of the season rather. They're, they're going to pitch around him a little bit just to, to be cautious, especially uh, contending teams. I think he's going to end up with about 57, 58 home runs. I think he gets maybe nine or ten more the rest of the way. Okay, yeah, that was that was tough. I gave him a little bit more. I gave him 60. I think he ends up with 60. But, you know, he, he could falter down to 58, around 58 or 60. But I, I, I think I think he ends around there, 58, 60, anywhere between that. That's why I'm saying I gave a little bit more. I gave 60 because – but then again, he's running out of time. He's running out of time because – the reason why I say that is because teams are going to start facing better pitching now. Teams are need to win. So, but I'll, I'll give them, I'll give them 58, between 58 to 60. Yeah, I think it's definitely, definitely very doable as long as he stays healthy. I just don't think he's going to face enough pitching to, to be able to do it. In other words, uh, you know, kind of the old Barry Bonds, Albert Pujols treatment. You're going to pitch around him and make somebody else in that lineup beat you at this point especially when you get into the head-to-head matchups. You're playing Tampa Bay, you're playing Toronto, even Boston, even they're pretty much out of it. I, I see them doing that same kind of thing. So, Yeah, I mean, he's going to – these last – let's say he, he needs to get 12 more. Let me just take a look here. We have a caller on the line. Let's see what they have to say. Welcome to the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. How you doing? Yeah, I'm cool, man. How y'all doing? Doing great. Thank you for asking. How about yourself? Yeah, how you been? Well, uh, you know, man, we'll, we'll see how these games play out tonight. Never let me know how I've been. Uh, <laughs> but until <laughs> until some of these games are finals, I'm over here sweating. Uh, but, yeah, that Aaron Jones question is interesting. I mean, Aaron Judge question is interesting because, like, why would you keep pitching to this dude? It's like you got to make Stanton beat you and – the rest of that lineup after the injuries and the, you know, the Carpenter miracle, it's like, why would you pitch the judge anymore? Like the rest of the season, like, why would you? So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm going under, but under the 60, but I don't know. Yeah, it's tough because I totally agree with you. I'm surprised that teams are still pitching to him because he, he does have, he can still, if you're pitching to him, he can still drop two in a day in a game. So, I just think teams need to win. You need to pitch around him at this point. You need to win. You know, that's why it's not that Aaron can't get him, but I just don't think he's going to see enough pitches to get to 60. I think I think 58, between 58 and 60 is about where he's going to end up with. Yeah. I, I mean, it's reasonable, man. And I think you can find that at all uh, outlets right now. So you can get in on that. I'm scared to touch it. So I don't know, but man, that's an interesting question. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he's on a <laughs> he's on a pace for sixty two based on the numbers I just calculated here. Here's what I'll say: his best chance to have a multi home run game probably comes uh, tonight and this weekend against Oakland out in California. Then they play a three it's either a three or four game set against the uh, Angels. But then you get into some games uh, starting in September against contending teams. you got three against Tampa in Tampa, uh, four against the Twins at home. Minnesota's trying to make a playoff run, so you're not going to pitch to them. And then you go right back to playing Tampa at home again, and then you play against Boston. And even though the Red Sox are not a playoff team this year, this is still a, a, a rivalry. You know, you're not going to want to give in 
uh, to the Yankees at this point. And then you got the Brewers right at the end uh, or the middle of the month of uh, September. Uh, then the Pirates, that might be another series. It's only two games there, but that might be a series to, to hit a couple out. But the rest of the way, you're playing against pretty much competitive teams all the way into the last game of the year. So I think his best bet, kind of what you said there a moment ago, is to have maybe a game or two where he hits maybe two or three out of the park, and that will really kind of set the pace for him. Right, because we got to factor in rest days. He's kind of had to carry low while everybody else was hurt for so long. I'm assuming we're going to see some little, you know, some management for him down the stretch. And some of those parks are tough, man. Like Tampa is Tampa's tough to hit in, you know what I mean, as far as homers going out. So, you know, there's, there's a lot at play. Hell, Oakland supposedly is not a hitter's park, so there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's a big park out there. I've never, never been there before, but it's, it, you know, it's not a – not the most hitter-friendly park. It's not the short porch of uh, of right field in the Yankee Stadium. It's not the Green Monster in, in Boston or anything like that. So, um, you know, I mean, when McGuire and Conseco played there 30 years ago, they made it look pretty small, but it's it's clearly uh, more of a pitcher-friendly park than anything else. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I would agree. Oakland is, is not an easy ballpark to hit a home run. First of all, the fences are back. And also, you have a lot of foul territory. If you pop one up, a guy can, he has a lot of room to get you out. It's, yeah. I, I don't find Oakland to be a you, I mean, a guy like Aaron Judge can hit one out. He makes it if he gets it to hold the one, and he hits it well, it's going out. But mm. you can't get a cheap home run in Oakland. You're not getting any cheap home runs in Oakland. And can yeah. I ask you guys a question? Because sure. Just like just the way you guys are going on this. Just kind of maybe think like real quick. With baseball, there's a there's a prime advantage in okay, we're going to design the stadium on, around the way we have to build. For a low revenue team, more than likely we're going to try to see if we can get pitchers, you know, for cheap, keep them for a long time, and we're not going to become you know the team that pays for big hitting. How come we haven't seen that in football? Where if you have a Pat Mahomes in his second year, you just say okay, we're getting a dome. Or if you have a Josh Allen, you say we're getting a dome, and that's just that's just what it is. Like, I don't understand why we haven't seen that in football. That's a good uh, that's question. A, that's, I've never really thought about that. That's a great question. You know, that that's definitely, you're right. You should play to your advantage. A guy like Mahomes and a guy like Josh Allen would do great at a dope stadium because those guys are electric. And I think the, the crowd noise would feed off of them. I think that's really what helped out Seattle when Russell was there, was the 12th man was the stadium. Mm. It gets so loud. And I think that's what helps out the States too. I mean, I've actually went to a States game and it's just, it is deafening loud. I don't see how any player could talk to somebody right next to them. It is that loud. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I can think of that would maybe be a reason why that hasn't happened or hasn't even really been thought of or brought up is when you compare the length of how many games are played each year in a baseball season, you're playing 81 games at home versus a football season where you're playing eight or nine plus maybe a, a playoff game and a, a preseason game in there. So I, I, I think that's probably why. And also the, the shelf life of an NFL star, statistically at least, is a lot shorter than that of a Major League Baseball hitter or you know what have you. So I think that might be part of it. But well, that's a really good point there. That's a question I've never heard asked before and very, very yeah. thought-provoking. So thank you for coming up with that. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. awesome. 
Yeah, man. I, I guess the thing that stands out is it's just like, okay, if you're Josh Allen and there's and you have home field advantage and you all have a playoff game, but it happens to be the worst thunderstorm or, or snowstorm Buffalo seen in 20 years, and you just lose on some, you know, lucky type stuff, it's, it's like you're, you're losing the advantage of having the premier quarterback. But I get his point, though. NFL careers are short, so I, I get it. Yeah, and and that's the thing. You know, when you have that type of snow in Buffalo, a guy like Josh Allen would, would pretty much – he would be hampered by that because he just can't – he wouldn't be able to throw the ball as effectively as he can. And that's one thing about Buffalo. They always have that snow problem. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Lake Effect Snow up there, and they're they're uh, they're pretty close, I think, to getting a new stadium. So I'm not certain if there's any uh, uh, talk of a roof on it or not. But um, my understanding is they're probably going to stay with the uh, open air, you know, open air stadium. So yeah, but you know, home field advantage uh, definitely I would say for especially give, uh, considering that the playoffs are always played in January, um, and that's one of the coldest months of the year. You know, for the longest time. Lambeau Field was home, home, uh, home field advantage until I think it was 15 years ago. Green Bay had only lost, I think, one game at home in Lambeau Field in the playoffs. And then, of course, they lost to the Giants. That was the year that, uh, that the Giants ended up winning the Super Bowl against the undefeated Patriots. So um, you would think home field advantage would have more of a better feel to it. But, you know, being in Central Florida like Allen and I are, um, I go back to when the Bucks won their first Super Bowl in 2002 and the one thing that everybody talked about back then was the Buccaneers had never won a a game, not much less a playoff game, in any weather. I think it was below 40 degrees. That was the talk of everybody that year. And they ended up playing the NFC title game up in Philadelphia, and it was uh, late January, if I remember correctly. One of the coldest games of the year was in, like, the low to mid-20s. And everybody said the Bucks aren't going to be able to play very well because of the weather. And – Lo and behold, they dominated defensively and had some big offensive plays at the same time. So sometimes that home field advantage with the weather doesn't necessarily play out. But I would say if somebody like the Dolphins was playing, you know, Bills in the playoffs, I think the Dolphins would be at the disadvantage just because Miami plays in a very humid, very uh, rainy uh, condition down in South Florida. Yeah, for sure. And for the NFL, is, is there any predictions you have for this year? Man, I wish <laughs> I wish I had a read that good on it. Uh, no, the, the only thing I'm doing is kind of looking at some of the long shot plays. Uh, the weapons in Carolina are a little better than what people think. Uh, kind of down on Arizona. You know, I don't have like a Super Bowl prediction. I'm just kind of looking at what I think certain yeah. outcomes can be. But no, I don't have anything for the bowl. Yeah, and it's just it's just. It, the Arizona, is, it's you brought that up. It's it's so different now that Deshaun, the, you know, Hopkins is not going to be there. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, he's not going to be there for the first six games, and it's, it's disappointing because. What is your take on, on DeAndre Hopkins and his his, you know, getting caught with PEDs? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. Uh, I think it happens a lot more than people say. You go back to Balco, uh, the Balco investigation, where the man openly said most of the time PEDs are just 
<laughs> case of you not following uh, your regimen as far as cleaning yourself out. It's not a thing of guilty <laughs> or not guilty. It's just who gets clean and who doesn't. But uh, the two kids, uh, Hollywood Brown and uh, Rondell Moore, uh, I'm just going to be heavy on them this year because I think Kyle, I mean, the ball has to go to them because there's nothing else there. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah th- you know, you're right because it's, I wonder where they're going to get some other offense from that and Hopkins is not going to be there for the first few games. But I think those guys are going to get a lot of touches. You're right about that. You're absolutely right. And speaking of PDs, <laughs> what is your take on, on, uh, Fernando Tatis finally admitting that, you know, he did, he did make a mistake. Yeah. See, I, I, I don't know. See, I'm, I'm probably not the best person to ask about this because I don't see these things as like a moral failing or something wrong. I see these things as 30 years from now, we'll look at this as nothing. It won't be a big deal. People will be op- optimizing their body in better ways, and I think you'll be less risk to it and less danger to it, so it won't be that big of a deal. But I really have no problem with athletes trying to uh, <laughs> be as good as they can be and are willing uh, to do what needs to be done. Now, the risk factors involved, the health risk for later on, excuse me, you know, that plays a role in it as far as judgment. But yeah. all of the hand-wringing and all that stuff, uh, yeah, let Tatis take it and let Tatis hit 50 homers. Yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the only thing is that the only difficulty thing with, with doing it is people always use it as a crutch to discredit you. I think Fernando Tatis is a very good player. I just think I, – I, I just question why he needed to take it more than anything. You still got crazy talent. I don't see how that really helps you that much. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, you know, it's a rec- recovery issue more than anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so after the injury, I, I could see someone, you know, trying that so they can get back on the field and, and – he loves baseball. This is what he wants to do. So I, I, I could see it. But like I said, man, I, I I just don't get worked up about these things the same way other people do, man. But, yeah, if it's in the rules as wrong, though, then, yeah, you got to serve your suspension. So I'm, I'm not going against that, though, because it's already, you know, laid out in the rules. You made a choice. Uh, either be better at cheating or don't cheat. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Yeah. <laughs> Be better at cheating or don't cheat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, y'all have a good night, man. I just wanted to call in. I always try to uh, catch y'all when y'all on, and I'm around, man. Uh, good show as always, and I'm going to hang up and listen and eat. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you so much for giving us a call in tonight. Definitely, you have a great night and definitely a great weekend. Hey, y'all too, man. Have a good weekend. You too. You too. Same, likewise. Yeah, so definitely it's always a pleasure to have caller call in and, and give us some great takes, man. That's awesome. And then we're going to go ahead and uh, I wanted to get your takes on that that option that happened in golf. I don't know if you got to see that play where, <laughs> it did, for those who didn't see it, let me describe it. I don't know how this happened, but somebody got right close to the green, 
He had a remote-controlled golf ball. I mean, of all the things they're making now, a remote-controlled golf ball. And he tried to steer it into the hole right before Roy was going to putt. And Roy, like, basically took issue with it. He he put his club in a way so he couldn't get the, the actual ball in the hole. And he got frustrated. He took that golf ball and he just threw it, and it landed right in the lake, which I give him credit on that throw because – if you pick up a golf ball to throw, it's not that easy of a thing to do. And he hit it right on a button like a baseball and threw it right in the lake. And did you get a chance to see the play, Aaron? If so, what, what were your thoughts? I haven't seen it, but I, I, I read your description of it. Um, so this was like a practical joke is basically what it sounds like. Yes. During <laughs> tournament play, though. This is during tournament play. Well, inappropriate time for certain, but given what we talked about and what's happened between Live Golf and the PGA Tour over the last uh, three, four, five months, whatever it's been, um, to have something a little bit uh, of a lighter moment like this, um, it, I, I, I'd say, you know, again, bad timing, but you know, I'll, I'll give it credit for kind of lightening the mood a little bit based on everything else that's happened. Yeah, I, you know, it's like this. I, I come out with it like kind of like on both sides of the fence. For one, I was surprised the security didn't step in and do something. Like, how do you let somebody, you know, it went on for a little bit. Like, you had time to stop him before Rory got involved. Where's the security? Like, I'm not saying security should be all uptight, but obviously this person is trying to have fun at the wrong time. I I actually didn't see a problem with Rory getting upset and throwing it in the water. The reason why is because it's during tournament play. It's not during practice. It's not, you know, if you want to fool around and do something like that, you should have probably done it during the practice rounds, not during tournament play. He was taking it serious. He was in championship mode, and he didn't find it funny at all, and he just, he hold his ball into the lake. It's debatable if he needed to do that, but, hey, if you're going to, you know, kind of, that's the bad thing about having a joke. Some people are going to find it funny, and some people are just going to be pissed off. And that's what happened. Roy was pissed off. Yeah, and he had every reason to be. Um, but as far as the security of the PGA Tour, I guess you know they're about as inept as the uh, marketing team and the PR team that the PGA Tour has. They need to probably clean house there, too. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. They do. I mean, it shouldn't have got that far. Roy shouldn't have got involved. I was even saying that, like, okay, where's the security? Like, Go in there, do your job, so you don't have to have Rory do his job, you know. Rory didn't take too kind of it, didn't find it funny at all. I mean, Rory could have let him roll his little ball in the hole. He's like, nah, man, he ain't letting him do it. And he just, he hold it. But Rory now is one of the, uh, you would almost say him and Tiger are the, the, like the leaders of PGA golf now. He's really taking a big role now, also, Tiger and Rory went into business together. So, Rory now is one of the leaders of the PGA Tour, if you if you look at it. So, he was putting his foot down. What I take on this is PGA needs to step up their security along with the PR team now. Yeah, they need to recruit a little bit better and, and uh, kind of start over from scratch in both of those areas. New ideas. Um, you know, that'll probably be a good thing for, for uh, everyone involved. So, yeah, I like I like Rory. I think, you know, obviously Tiger's been the face of the PGA Tour for the last 
what, 25 years since 97. Yeah. And, you know, he was obviously the, the face of the, um, the EA sports, uh, uh, PGA tour game for the longest time. And then, you know, Tori, uh, sorry, brother Rory, I should say took over, uh, here, I don't know, four or five years ago as the face of the, the video game series. So those are the two guys that are, I think probably the most popular on the PGA tour, even before all this stuff went on. Um, you know, obviously before all this, you still had, you know, Phil Mickelson and you had uh, Bubba Watson and some of these other uh, young names. But the two most, rec- uh, two most recognizable names in the PGA Tour now, and I'd say even in the last 10, 15 years, uh, have been those two individuals. So I think that's a good thing. And hopefully they can get things going back in the right direction. Um, they've had a lot of negative uh, PR hits over the last several months. Obviously, this bickering has gone back and forth. Um, good to have a lighter moment like we talked about there a second ago but i think that to get back to seriousness now they got to figure out how to get things going back uh to get the popularity back in the right spot so um as we uh close out here tonight uh, obviously alan you are our uh, boxing expert i know there's uh, some big stuff that has gone on here uh tell us about uh what's happened here lately yeah some great things have happened in boxing you know recapping the fight between Usyk and Joshua part two, you know, my take on this is Usyk is the better skilled fighter and Joshua did a lot better in this fight than he did the first fight. First fight, I really didn't think AJ or, you know, you know, Anthony Joshua really didn't have much of a chance of winning the first fight. I think the skills that Usyk had really showed and Usyk won, I thought, pretty handily. Second fight I thought was going to be a much closer fight, and it was. I got to give Anthony Joshua credit. He did improve on a lot of things, but there was some things that I felt like, even though he's not as skilled as Usyk, I still think AJ, Anthony Joshua, had a very good shot to win this fight had he just went to the body earlier and more frequently and used his physical dominance because he's a much bigger guy over Usyk. He did do that, but he, he did that in the ninth round, which he had a very successful round, which was his best round. And then Usyk just stepped up, and he won rounds 10, 11, and 12, and he closed out the show. I think Joshua had, had Usyk hurt, and he kind of let his foot off the gas, too, in that round, the ninth round. But I do think Usyk, the better man, did win the fight. I do feel as if this was a – a close, much closer fight, and Anthony Joshua did have a chance to win the fight. I had that discussion with somebody in social media. Another thing is uh, with his reaction, AJ's reaction, if you lose a fight, you know, it's like this. He was holding up the Ukraine flag because Usyk is from Ukraine. He was holding it up up until they made the judgment. Once they made the judgment that they gave the win to the other guy, then all of a sudden he's like, Screw Usyk and screw Ukraine. And he just, like, lost his sportsmanship. That's Anthony Johnson, that was. And he acted like a poor sport and grabbing a mic and really being disgruntled about it. But he, 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 uh, he did apologize about it. I think AJ did do the right thing by apologizing. You cannot be a sore loser. He came across as a sore loser. It's not Usyk's fault that the decision went his way, and I do believe Usyk did win that fight. I do think it was a closer fight, much closer fight, but I do think the right guy did win the fight. Also, 
wanted to say congratulations again to Nico Ali Walsh. I have that picture on Facebook, our Facebook page. He's now 7-0. He did his thing. This weekend, we have some big fights. We have F.A. Ajaba, who is one of the first guys I had to cover when I first started the media here in boxing. He's got a fight after a little break. I, I got F.A. Ajaba winning his fight. And I do have Babyface winning his fight as well this weekend. I think uh, that loss that F.A. Ajaba did have, his first loss, did open up his eyes. And I think he's going to come in more focused. And I think I look for F.A. Ajaba to have a big night. I also do think, want to thank the boxing fans that have liked our page and also did want to thank another Willie Oleg for purchasing and supporting definitely Sep G's barbecue sauce. So we appreciate that as well. To Willie Oleg bought a four pack for his uh, son. So yeah, I did want to give you guys up to date on the boxing news. That's what I have for this weekend. Perfect. So great stuff. This is another great show. Um, as we mentioned at the top, football is uh, upon us. College football season week zero begins tomorrow. I believe uh, the big game that's on at noon, I think, is Nebraska at uh, Northwestern. Um, not a lot of expectations from either one of those schools, but still football's back. It's always fun to hear the band play and to have uh, the kickoff, halftime, all that good stuff. And then, of course, uh, next weekend, uh, week one of the college football season, NFL season we're about two weeks away from. Next week, we will begin giving our weekly predictions. Uh, Alan and I, uh, last year, um, battled all the way through. Alan got me by, I think, three or four games at the very end there. So I'm yeah, going right. uh, to uh, get them this year. Um, <laughs> I have to do a little <laughs> better job of uh, making my predictions uh, than I did a year ago. But we have a lot of fun. Um, we'll always throw this out there, too. We are not uh, uh, making these predictions for you to bet on. We are simply amateurs in that sense. And so anything that we say, don't take to the bank because uh, there's a good chance we're probably going to be wrong, and we don't want that responsibility on our shoulders. So, um, <laughs> But tonight, uh, great show. I want to thank uh, our guests for calling in. Of course, uh, the great Lou from New York, New Jersey. Uh, certainly want to have you all support his uh, show, the Enhanced Sports Show, on Saturdays between 5 and 7 Eastern time. And, of course, uh, our great sponsor. Um, we want to give many thanks to Chef G's Barbecue Sauce so delicious and addicting you may need a support group and of course uh alan uh, my good buddy here we have a great time uh for this last hour and a half speaking here this evening uh all of our listeners thank you so much have a pleasant weekend everybody thank you for listening to the evan evans post podcast Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.